Hi everyone. Just wanted to let you know I'm about four hours from when this episode needs to be published and I'm just now getting it edited. So I did not get a chance to edit it as carefully today as possible. So the sound quality may be a little bit lower. I apologize for that, but I do hope that you enjoy the content. On today's episode, you're going to hear a great interview with Dave and Chester Kimber. It's about discipling guys in prison, and it's a real fascinating thing. I've got some family that's involved in it. I had hoped to be involved in it myself, but it didn't work out this year. Uh, maybe there will be a chance in the future. So here's Dave and Chester. Hope you really enjoy it. Welcome to the Deepwater Podcast. I'm Dave Mercer. I'm James Judd. And our goal on this podcast is to learn to make disciples the way Jesus made disciples. Yes, sir. Welcome to the Deepwater Podcast, where we learn to make disciples like Jesus did. I'm Dave Mercer, and today James Judd is taking a break well, he's probably working on another project related to this podcast, but he's not on this one. Uh, today we have a guest, uh, someone who geographically doesn't live that far from James compared to myself, uh, Mr. Chester Kimber out in New Mexico. Chester, uh, say howdy to the crowd and introduce yourself if you would. <laughs> well, thank you, David. My name is Chester Kimber. I live just about 20 miles north of James, which is near the big city of Amistad, New Mexico which has one or two people living there. <laughs> All right. <laughs> one or two. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Not real sure. <laughs> now, is that is that the rural population or is that the, the town, the in-town vote? That's the in-city town, yeah, in the city limits of okay. so maybe I live, about, I live 10 miles from there. So. Okay. So maybe in the can... suburbs. Okay. <laughs> uh, in the suburbs. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, the reason, the reason why, if I could tell the listeners uh, why James had specifically asked you to join us, uh, one for a couple reasons, is one, uh, he admires the walk you have with Christ and that you're a disciple. But two, there's something specifically interesting about uh, how you make disciples, how you engage in kingdom work, and that is prison ministry, right? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Cool. So, uh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, I didn't know if I had anything to add to that or not. Okay. But, uh, well, I'll tell you what. Um, what we'd like to do is maybe just get to know you uh, a little bit yourself. So just kind of give us a little bio on who you are, where you're from, how you came to, to know Christ, how you came to see the Christ's command to make disciples as something to be obeyed very tangibly, and then finally how it led you to engage in discipleship work with some of the least of these, those who are behind bars. Okay. So, so the floor is yours. <laughs> All right. Uh, I like to ask a lot of questions, so I may uh, interrupt and start asking you questions too. But oh yeah, we'll keep it conversational. <laughs> Okay, good. Uh, I grew up in a Catholic home, and so did my wife. So I really did not know the Lord as I was growing up. Um, it wasn't until I was 30 years old that I gave my life to Christ, and my wife 
at that time. Uh, my wife did too. Uh, shortly within a few days of when I got saved, uh, which has been 38 years ago now. Uh, right after I got saved, we were living in Albuquerque. Uh, I went to a revival, I guess is what it was, to a church service. And this the preacher was uh, went around in the audience prophesying. And he came over to me and he, he prophesied that uh, someday I was going to be doing great works in prison. And I don't remember just what all he said, but. Anyway, when I went home, I told my wife, I said, this guy was wild. I said, <laughs> I told her what, what he had said. And I didn't know anybody in prison, didn't even have any, uh, inkling of what prison life was like. But, uh, the Lord was really working in our lives a lot at that time. And we moved from Albuquerque out to the farm because my dad had cancer and couldn't take care of things at that time. This was in November of 80. And, uh, uh, a few months after that, a friend of mine called me one day and he says, would you like to go to a Kairos? And I said, well, what is a Kairos? And he says, it's a prison ministry. And I said, absolutely. And I didn't have any hesitation. I knew I wanted to do it. In fact, I had already taken the training in Dalhart, uh, but I had no idea what I was supposed to do. Hmm. So it was really a, it was really a great feeling to become involved in Kairos and the first two that uh, they're every six months at prisons. Okay. And I think James has told me about Kairos, but if you would maybe give the listeners a quick description of what that is. Okay. It's a, a prison ministry for, well, the men do for men and if the women. I think they have uh, women's Kairos also in, at the women's units. I'm not real sure. I've never participated in one of those, but uh, we have about, 30 to 35 volunteers that will go in for a four day, uh, instructional, I guess is we get 42 uh, men in white, uh, hopefully who, uh, are troublemakers in the prison, uh, non-saved, um, people that really need the Lord in their life, but it doesn't always work that way because the warden doesn't, want to reward the bad people by having a program that benefits them. Oh, so, right. so he uh, kind of re, uh, restricts us on how many uh, non-Christians we can have. So we do get a lot of, out of the 42. I would say maybe half of them are Christians already, but it's a good program even for them. Yeah. Uh, we've, the women, our wives or uh, women that want to help, cook food for them for four days it's thursday friday saturday and sunday we spend about 12 hours each day in in the prison with them we do go home at night um, but we have a program that's very uh, re- uh forget what the word is but it's very intense i guess there's not a minute not a minute that goes by in the prison that we're there that's not already on the list for something to do. We have a series of about 12 talks that we give over the four days. Okay. And then af- after the talk is over, uh, we're sitting in tables with nine, uh, six prisoners and three uh, uh, volunteers. And we'll discuss the talk. And then the, the prisoners will do- draw a poster of what the talk was about. 
then we we eat there. We bring the food into the prisoner uh, three times a day. We sing up. We do a lot of singing and uh, visiting. I mean, it's just like got Christians do when they're together, I guess. <laughs> okay. And if, I'm sorry if you said it, but I'm picturing is it a room one on one or is it like the 42 plus the volunteers that came in a big room as a as a group? Yes, it's a big group. Uh, okay. We have we have it's in the gymnasium. Is where okay. It is. So it's like if I walked in, I'd see male volunteers and male prisoners, and then I go in the other room, I'd see female volunteers and female prisoners fellowship. Uh, no, because there's no females allowed in the prison. At oh, the I'm sorry. This, but if if they experience, yeah, <laughs> green. Uh, <laughs> the female prisoners would have their own. Kairos. It would just be females, and the men is just men. Okay. So the the prisoner, there's no females or men mixing in the, in the prisons in TDC in Texas anyway. I doubt there isn't any prisons. No, that was just a goofy question on my part. I, for some reason, <laughs> no I thought problem. there were co-ed prisons, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they'd like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't work that way. <laughs> so anyway. Uh, we spend the four days there with them um, and give a series of talks. The first talk is called Choices, and it's just kind of making them start thinking about the choices that they've made in their life, uh, maybe some of the wrong choices, maybe some of the right choices. We do not ever ask them, why are you in prison uh, or how long are you going to be there? That's none of our business because we, we're not allowed. Uh, I mean, we can't get them out any sooner. Uh, that's all up to TDCJ. Uh, Kairos has got a good reputation in Texas that, uh, they say that around 80 to 85% of prisoners in Texas will, that get released will be back within two to three years. And people, the men who have gone through Kairos, their recidivism rate is only like 10% forever. So, it makes a lot of difference. Uh, but all we're doing is talking. I mean, we use the word Kairos because that's a, a Greek name for in God's time. Okay. Uh, but really all we do is we, we show them that we love them, that they can be forgiven, that uh, there is still a future, even though they may have been in prison 10 or 20 or even 30 years, that uh, God still has a plan for them and has something for them to to do yeah so we offer them hope hope and love we hug them a lot <laughs> mm. uh it just uh, encourage them it's an encouraging thing it's like christianity is supposed to be i think hmm. so and then we follow up we have this these programs like in dalhart unit we have them every may and november okay and then uh the other prisons have them every six months too, whether it's December and June or March I and see. September. They they can choose okay. what what the dates are for their own units. So it almost uh, has more the feel of a a Christian conference rather than like whereas church would be every week or something. This would almost be more like oh the it's it's the fall conference or the I see mm-hmm. exactly yeah okay and then and then we follow up one Saturday each month. One Saturday. Uh, we go back, the, the volunteers go back, and we meet with 
uh, all of the guys who've ever been on the chiral set or in the unit are allowed to come. So there's usually at Dalhart, there's usually 100 to 130 or something like that men that will come on the reunion day. Okay. One Saturday. And it's usually for three to four hours. It's not all day most of the time. Gotcha. So, and then we, there we sing, we, we uh, have fellowship, we get in little small groups and discuss different issues. It's very interesting, actually. It's very beneficial to even us, the volunteers. <laughs> yeah. So. So the, the gateway, if, if I was new, I couldn't come. At, if I was a prisoner who'd never been, I would have to wait till the fall or the, I'm sorry, you said May or November. I would have to wait, and that would be kind of like my gateway. I would go through that, and then I would have the privilege of being able to go to the, the reunion every month. Yes, okay. exactly. But, but, David, there's like three to 400 men that want to come to this program every time, mm. and we only get to take 42. So there's a long waiting list, unfortunately. But eventually they'll get taken, I think. But yeah. It's not like, I mean, I wish we could take all 300 of them each time, but we can't. I mean, there's not room, and uh, it's it's an expensive program, too, because we have to feed every, all the prisoners for, oh, you know, yeah. for that many meals. Because uh, I'm guessing it, it wouldn't be, bureaucratically, it probably wouldn't be appropriate to ask the state of, the Texas taxpayers to say, hey, Let's, you know, fund this Christian ministry. So y'all are actually like bringing the goods, so to speak. Exactly. Yeah. We bring the goods and we pay for the goods ourselves or we get donations from other churches or I see well, that makes individuals. Sense. So it it costs close to thirteen to fourteen thousand dollars each six months to, to buy the food because and the volunteers have. Uh, that don't live close to Dalhart have to stay in a motel there because we we get up at five o'clock in the morning and we're in the prison by six. Wow. Uh, so it's something they have. Everybody has to stay there close to uh, to Dalhart. And we we haven't our headquarters is at a local church here that allows us to use their church facilities for the weekend because we give away close to two thousand dozen cookies during this weekend. Did you say 2,000 dozen? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of cookies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and there's a lot of artwork that the women do. I mean, it's just amazing what all goes on. It's it's hard to describe, but it's it just shows them that the, the men, that, that they're loved, that they're yeah. still loved. Even though they're in prison, they can still be loved. Gotcha. As you're talking, I think about the verse where Jesus Jesus was saying, uh, you know, that when there'll be a day when he calls everyone and he separates the sheep from the goats. And wasn't uh, wasn't you came and visited me in prison? One of those categories? Yes. Yeah. Wow, that's that's tangible. Prison, bring me a drink of water, sick, and you came and visited me. There's several things that are visited there or yeah. mentioned there. I think it's is it Matthew 25, 35. I, I was thinking 25 as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's around there. I should know that because that's 
one of the, our primary verses. But, well, I'll uh, tell you what. If I had a choice, I'd rather be living it and then memorize it than memorize it and not be living it. So <laughs> it seems like you're on the good side of that. Uh, well, maybe so. Uh, that's When we're in there, actually, we very few of us take Bibles in because it, it's not really a Bible study. Hmm. It's not. We're not there to decide once saved, always saved, for example. You know, yeah. that's nothing. Or you got to be baptized to be saved. You know, things like that. Uh, we're there to just show them that, that we love them. Let's People the still love, love Jesus. Them. Yes, exactly. And I tell you, it is amazing. You in Oklahoma City, I'm sure there's several prisons probably close there. You're, the public is allowed to go to a closing on Sunday afternoon and, um, you could go to that, go to a closing of a Kairos in your area and just kind of get an, cause the men, the men in white get up and give a testimony about how their weekend went for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's pretty neat what, what you get to hear. You get to hear some great stories. So. Let's see. How would what would a closing? So like, the warden would let other. Let's say let's say I'm your buddy, and you say, "Hey, I really just think you should come and just try this." I could come to the prison for the closing. I would be let in, and I would have a chance to kind of see the tail end of everything. Exactly, but there's usually, well, in Dalhart, there's usually around thirty people that go to the closing. Men and women are men, and you can bring your wife. You okay. can't bring. Can't bring children, yeah. uh, but uh, you could bring your wife. Uh, you can bring other friends, but you have to. If you think you are interested, sometime you have to get a hold of the uh, the leader up for that weekend and tell them they'll want to know your driver's license number yeah, and I see. something like, like that. Maybe like a so background check or something. Yeah, it's pretty simple. They don't do much for that because it's just okay. a closing. Yeah. Uh, but that's how a lot of guys that are working now on that heart, they started out by going to a closing and God just touched them there and, and, uh, they decided they wanted to do something, do something to help. And so they're now team members. Cool. So it works out pretty good. Yeah. One thing I really like about what you're saying is, you know, if it, it sounds like God, no, he gave you a very clear word that, you know, through prophecy that you were going to do this. So it, if that's what God's given you to do and that's your bread and butter, that's a great, I kind of like the idea that it almost sounds like it doesn't have to be the only thing you do because you have your big event in the fall. Or I should say the, the spring one in the, the late fall. And then once a month that kind of frees you up that, well, Hey, I'm also working with internationals or I have this or that going. Um, I know I spoke exactly. with the, a group once that was doing this. And if you couldn't come during business hours, you couldn't really participate. So this sounds like a really good format for, for working folks and retired and just kind of wherever you're at in life. It is. Uh, the problem that if a guy has a, a job, a nine to eight to five job, it may be hard for him to get off Thursday, Friday and, you know, and the weekend. So unless he plans ahead and says, okay, I want my day, two days off on in November and two days off in May or whatever. I see. You just have to plan for it. Yes. Okay. Uh, so, but yes, we do. 
there's a lot of the guys that do a lot of other stuff. There's pastors that are helping us. There's a lot of lay people. It's really a lay person uh, led ministry. Uh, the pastors, even though they come and give talks, they're they're never really the leaders of the of the weekend. There's usually a guy that's, in fact, our, the guy that we just had lives in the Dallas area, and he was an ex offender that was in Dalhart for like okay. ten years. So he he's done well. He's been out now for ten or twelve years and has a good job and has a wife and kids and. Just a regular guy now, <laughs> but he has, but he does a lot of ministry work in the Dallas area, prison ministry work. They're always him and his wife are always going to different prisons there and doing things. So it's a it's a wonderful ministry. Hmm. Very rewarding. It's a couple things. It's funny to hear is um, I know those of us who have never been in a prison or maybe even frankly maybe never even had a close relationship with someone who's gone to prison like a, a family member or a friend i think we get all of our our image of what that looks like from tv and from movies and you know it's it's interesting to me to hear you talk about how these guys are you know they're really wanting to come the waiting list is long even for maybe the ones we would considered uh you know hardened or whatever and you know when they get there they're eager. They want to be loved. They're they're hugging like, in, in my mind, this kind of bucks against the stereotype from all the too many movies I've watched. <laughs> yeah, uh, that is so true. But the news media doesn't really want to do anything that's you know that's news that's good news. They yeah. they uh, focus on what the bad news is. Uh, but there's in Texas, almost half of the prisons have Kairos in them. It's not just like we're the only ones in the state. Yeah. We're a rel- relatively new one. But there's still still prisons that don't have Kairos, and it's hard to get volunteers to uh, to spend that much time. And uh, and it costs some money, too, to, to do it. But um, it's the most rewarding thing I've ever done. Wow. That's for sure. Yes. The big statement that I I don't doubt that you means that's 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 big. Yeah, but you know, like Friday afternoon, I'm not trying to brag or anything, but Friday afternoons, I go to a, a nursing home and we play music there, and we've been doing this for 15 years or more. I mean, I have, and the some of the guys that were there are longer than I've been there. So I mean, we have time to do other things. It's not like this is consumes all of your life sure uh, yeah you can you can have a life and still do prison ministry gotcha but but it's pretty i mean like dalhart's 60 miles from where i live so it's only an hour to get for me to get there mm-hmm. and but some of the guys come from colorado and it's a two-hour drive uh we have one guy who comes from uh near plainview texas and it's a three-hour drive for him uh, so some of the guys really come a long ways uh, to do these. It's important to them to do them. And like Brian Buchanan, who just uh, was our leader, him and his uh, brother-in-law are co- coming from Dallas. So they've made a commitment, you know, to come yeah. to the 
So nothing like what I've, I'm, I've got easy street. <laughs> I'm only 60 miles, but you know, it's kind of funny. I, uh, not everybody's called to do prison ministry. Uh, in fact, in the town of Dalhart, which is about 8,000, we, I don't know. We only have like one or two volunteers from there. Okay. The rest, the rest come from Oklahoma, Colorado, New Mexico, and Amarillo and south of Amarillo, which is a uh, 85 miles. Hmm. So it, out of that 35, you know, there's less than three or four that are even from Dallard. Yeah. So it's, it's just a calling, I guess, is what it is that, uh, and uh, people, people have different callings, you know, like uh, it's hard to explain what a calling is, but if you know what you do, if you know, listen to God, I guess you know what it is. Sometimes we don't listen very good either. No. But, but we also go to church every Sunday too. I mean, it's not like we're missing, except on the weekend, uh, that we're there in Dalhart. That's what they call it. The four day is called a weekend. Uh, that, that Sunday we miss church, but you know, once, once or twice a year isn't that. But I mean, I've, all of the guys that are volunteers are involved in their churches. That's one of the, their primary missions really is working and doing stuff for their church. So, um, but the prison ministry part of it is a very important part of their life too. Hmm. And prison ministry, uh, the wives are, it's something that the husband and wife can do together. The husband goes in the four days to the prison. The wives stay at the church and they cook and get food ready and, and, uh, get cookies ready. And there's a lot of work. You, you wouldn't believe how hard those women work. Wow. Sounds like branding calves. You got, you got the people that are flanking calves and you got the people that are making a humongous meal for the crew. Yeah. <laughs> so have you helped brand? Because it sounds like you know what's going on there. <laughs> yeah. I've eaten potato salad off a tailgate once or twice. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, that's true. There's a lot of, a lot of behind the scene things that go on and, that the prisoners don't even know about, you know, um, hmm. until you've done one, you wouldn't realize how much food it takes to feed 120 people for four meals a day or three meals a day for four days. And yeah. And there are so many people that, that donate, uh, like we have a couple of our meals that are donated by, organizations in Dalhart. Yeah. The one of them gives us pizzas for a meal. Uh, so the women don't have to cook on Sunday. Uh, kind of gives them a little break there on Sunday. And we have an organization that gives us, uh, it's McDonald's. They donate, uh, egg McMuffins for breakfast. Okay. So there's a lot of things that go on like that, that, just pretty neat to be a part of it. Hmm. Yeah. So I, I would encourage you and all the listeners to call a, a, a prison in your area and ask them if you can go to a closing. See if they have a Kairos and and uh, tell them you'd like to go to a closing. Okay. It'll take about take about usually two to three hours and on a Sunday afternoon. 
Okay. And you're escorted in and everything, so you're not going to be attacked or anything like that. <laughs> Let me ask you this, and I kind of want to come back to your point, but um, but there's one one thing I wanted to ask before that. Um, as you have been a part of this now for how long? Uh, since about '95. So. Oh wow. Okay. So. Little, twenty years. Okay. Over twenty. Then this will this will work well. Um, in in the context of making disciples, have you found that being a part of Kairos, your, you know, like w- Paul talks about how I Paul watered. Paul planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Mm-hmm. Have you found that you have just done like mainly sown seeds in guys' life, or have you ministered to the same guys for years and years and, and just been able to see progress? Well, not progressive growth, but been able to work with them and continue to invest in them in almost like a discipleship relationship where you're seeing them once a month, or do you find that? Very rarely do you work with the the same people, and you're just like, "Well, Lord, I sowed seed in this guy. Next month, I'll sow seed in another guy." Or is it an even mix? Probably close to even. Uh, there's certain guys that you kind of bond with, I guess, that they, and they want to see you when you come in on the reunions and visit with you. But they feel comfortable with all the volunteers, all of the prisoners do. I mean. They don't have to be me each time. There's 10 or 15 or 20 guys there that they they know well and they've been around. And, uh, and you know, it's amazing how fast they get transferred out of one unit and sent to another unit. Hmm. Uh, so they don't always stay a long time at, at Dalhart, for example. Uh, but we have had some guys that were... Well, we got a guy, I think that's getting out in next month who's been there since number one or two on Kairos and we're at number 36 now. Hmm. So we've been doing Kairos since, uh, about 2000. Wow. And he's been there. He, this guy's been there the whole time. Wow. So, but he's getting re- released here pretty quick. We told him that I saw him the other day or a week or so ago and I told him, uh, I'm going to call the uh, parole and tell him to, have you stay because we can't do without you. <laughs> but, <laughs> but he knew I was kidding. <laughs> yeah. And the parole don't listen to us. And yeah. we're not, <laughs> we're, you know, parole doesn't probably even know Kairos even exists. Oh, they might. I don't know. I mean, we're not allowed to talk to the parole officers. I have no idea who they are. We can't write to them or call them. Uh, there's lots of rules involved. Uh, we cannot contact their family members while while they're in prison. Uh, we can when they're out of prison, we can help them uh, in any way that we we want because that's uh, it's not illegal to help them. It's just no. that, but it, while they're in prison, there's lots of rules that we think. I, I mean, we can't help them financially. We can't send money, put on their books. We can't sure. do. Uh, we can write them. That's about the only thing we can do is write them and encourage them. And uh, if we're a volunteer there, then we can go in and see them uh, once a month for you know for a few hours. But <clears throat> so to follow up on something you were saying just now, um, have you had the the honor, or the experience of getting to um, 
interact with someone who has been in Kairos, has gotten out of the system, come back into life outside of prison and, and continue to either have just a friendship or invest in them. Has that, have you ever had a chance to do that or yes. be a first? Oh yeah. No, uh, the Brian that's our lead was our leader up visited with him a lot on the phone over the last 15 years. And okay. there's, uh, we had two other guys that have been in Delhart, uh, over the last five or 10 years and they helped on our last Kairos in May. Uh, they weren't allowed to go into the unit because you have to be out for two years, but they worked on the outside and helped the women in the kitchen and, and, uh, they were a big help. And so it's neat to see them too. They looked a lot different than they did when they was dressed mm. in white. <laughs> yeah. Put on a lot of weight <laughs> for the most part. Yeah. Food is uh, something that uh, uh, they get tired of, the same food pretty much. I think they have pancakes every day uh, for breakfast and maybe sometimes more than once a day. Wow. Peanut butter and jelly is something else that they get a lot of too. Uh, so... When, that's one one of the big reasons they like to come to Kairos because they get home back, home cooked meals for for four days there. Yeah. So that's that's one of the big selling points to get them interested in coming. <laughs> sure. Sure. Uh, well, I guess uh, as we as we get close, I have a a couple questions. Is one, what would you say to the hesitant person who is listening? And kind of thinks, well, you know, that's great for him. I'm sure glad that, that he's doing that and uh, that kind of edgier ministry, but I'm not sure. What what would you say to the hesitant? Well, we've had a lot of our team members are that way. We're very hesitant about ever coming to a Kairos. Um, they just did it to, to get their friend off of their back, say, okay, I'll go one time and I'm never coming again. And then after they've gone, then they realize what a blessing it is to uh, to see how God works, uh, to see these men when they come on Thursday to this uh, to the Kairos thing. They're pretty uh, hesitant to talk to you. They're very closed mouth, I guess, uh, a little nervous, pretty ner- very nervous, I guess, about seeing free world people thinking, what do these people want? You know, what are they really? Why are they here? So they're, they're pretty suspicious about what's going on. Uh, oh, so there's nervousness on both sides. Yes. Yeah. They're very, very much so on the men and white. The, the team members are not very nervous unless it's their very first one. And they might be nervous a little bit. But, yeah. Uh, there's I've been doing this for 20 years. I've never had anyone threaten me or even be even seen a, a fight or anything happened in prison. Yeah. So it's, I'm not, I'm not a bit afraid when I'm in the unit. I, I'm just very relaxed. You know, and the other, the other guys are too. I mean, it's, okay. there's, there's a lot of us that doing it. It's, uh, so if you're nervous, step one, chill out. Step two, trust <laughs> Jesus. Step three, watch less law and order. There you go. You're very good. Yeah. Well, we, most prisons don't have enough volunteers to, uh, to spread the word. And, um, so I, I would encourage people to, uh, to check into it. They're, they can call their, the, uh, chaplain at the unit 
and he will tell he'll put them in contact with who the uh, people are with Kairos. And if they're not interested in doing classes, there's other volunteer things that going on in the prison too. There's classes that people teach. There's prison fellowship, which is a great ministry. There is a lot of good ministries in the in the prisons, but people don't hear about them because they, you know, most people don't even want to hear about anything about prisons. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah. But there's a lot of good stuff going on. A lot of Christ-centered stuff that's very neat. It's a blessing. I'll tell you, I haven't been to a single Kairos that I haven't cried at. Wow. Because it's, it is, it just touches my heart. When you see an old rugged guy that's been in gangs all of his life, give his life to Jesus right there in front of you, man, I'll tell you what, that touches my heart. It gets me every time. Because there's a new, new, new name written down in glory. Then yeah. it's neat to see it. It's an exciting thing. Well, this is this has been one thing that if if people have been listening to a lot of these deep water podcasts, one thing that's different today is I feel like today's very nuts and bolts. It's here's a very specific thing you can be involved in. Um, here's kind of the logistics of it. And while that's been a little bit different flavor from what we've talked about. I don't think you can get away from the fact that if you're going to make disciples, it's not just this vague thing of, oh, I'm going to go to the nations. I'm going to No, it, it happens with a person. It happens in a place at a time. And if, if we're going to, you know, Jesus said, go make disciples of all nations and teach them to do everything I've commanded you. And, how much did Jesus have to say about ministering to the least of these? It wasn't just find people who they'll never have to ask you for, you know, same socioeconomic status, same hobbies, same neighborhood, house worth approximately the same amount of money. You can't get around ministering to the least of these, I think, no matter what your calling is. And so this has been, I think, a good opportunity for us all to, to be reminded that if, Oh, how should we say it? I'm I'm glad you specify that this was a calling you have and you're sometimes people they're following Jesus in their context and they can be a little bit condemning of those who aren't doing the same thing. So I really appreciate that you've you know specified this is your calling. Yeah. But I guess the word of caution I would have for myself and for everyone listening is, you know, when Jesus talks about loving the least of these, you know, how is that playing out how is that being fleshed out in my life in our lives so thank you for sharing for your life how it's playing out for you amen well i i'm glad to do it david uh uh, i appreciate you taking the time to to check into things like this and there i'm sure you know lots more ministries involved in doing good than i do um this is just the one I happen to be involved in, and, and I'm thankful God led me to it. Yeah. It's, it's been a, a huge blessing in our lives. But I know there's other people that are called to to help sick people, to you know, to go to nursing homes, to go to hospitals, to go to the homeless people. Um, I said, praise God, go get, go for it. Yeah. <laughs> go out there and get after it. Absolutely. Yeah, you bet. 
Yeah. Well, everybody, thanks for gathering in. Uh, thanks, Chester, for your time, and thanks to your wife for loaning you to us on this <laughs> Saturday night for a while. Well, it's been my pleasure, David. I appreciate you and James and what you're doing and spreading the word and just keep up the good work. Roger that. Well, thanks a lot. And everybody, goodbye. Thanks for joining us. Well, there you go. I hope that you enjoyed that. I hope to uh, give you a little different perspective on viewing some of those among the least and the lost. And I hope it might give you another different perspective on different way disciple-making looks in different contexts. You know, a lot of times we talk about sitting down with a guy, you know, having him in your house, in your life, being around them so much. And sometimes due to some very physical limitations, as in there's bars around him and his time is very controlled, you may not be able to. And so disciple-making may look more like writing letters. I remember a disciple-maker by the name of Paul doing some of that a little bit. Or it may look like pouring into those guys and uh, giving them some tools to continue studying, continue growing, even when you can't be in there as often. A couple of other things that uh, Chester didn't mention. One is he's actually also a building pastor, which meant that uh, whenever a warden allows it, he'll go in weekly. And so he's in the same building, seeing the same guys on a weekly basis. And so there's another level of commitment and really giving a little bit more access to those guys. And another thing, we didn't talk about it this time, Kairos itself has some really interesting disciple-making stuff built into the team. And maybe we'll cover those on another episode, but there's some stuff they do that I think is pretty strategic. Anyway, I hope that having listened to this, you'll think about being involved. I almost named the name of this episode, How Many Cookies Does It Take to Disciple Men in Prison? But I didn't. But think about that. Two thousand dozen cookies that's a lot of cookies but that's what they want to have to do if they want to be able to provide cookies and some love and some care for the participants easy ways you can be involved one you can pray every kairos team actually has prayer support 24 hours a day during their weekend so there's always somebody praying for them so you can pray you could be involved there's an inside team there's also an outside team those are some good ways. Uh, check with your local chaplain, prison chaplain. Find out if there's a program going on. Uh, you can also give financially, and I'll try to have some links up in the next week or two on uh, how you can do that. i got to get with them and find out uh, where to give. Anyway, different ways you can be involved. I hope you will do that, and I think you might have an opportunity to serve God in a way you hadn't considered and it might be a really blessing to you, and it might be a really big blessing to somebody else. Anyway, until next time, we'll see you.